welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 360 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, not really ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. We have made it. We have gotten to the end of the road. And what I mean by the end of the road is we have finally gotten to the, or we finally arrived at the last team of my divisional breakdown, or the last division of my divisional breakdown. I have been for the last few episodes, I've been breaking down every division in football. And this episode, obviously, as you can tell by the intro, is the last division to break down. Now, the reason why I saved the NFC or AFC, I'm sorry, AFC North for last is because I feel this is the best division in football. You can argue the AFC East. Uh, you can argue the AFC West. You can argue the NFC, whatever. I think that the AFC North is the best division in football. I can see a, a pathway for ev- each one of these teams, not only to make the playoffs, but each one of these teams to be Super Bowl contend- contending teams. Now, I'm not saying... One of them is, I'm not saying the Super Bowl will run through one of these teams. I'm not saying that. Nor am I going to say that these teams can't be bad. You know, like it's what we'll talk about each one, obviously. But I think that each team, this is the best division, in my opinion. And it's to me, it's not close. I know that, again, the AFC, AFC East probably has something to say when we talk about the Bills, the Jets. Uh, now with Aaron Rodgers, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. But I just think when we talk about full rosters and we talk about the, 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 the top-tier talent, most of it comes from this division. And we'll start with the, the team that has kind of reigned supreme the last few years in this division, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. And when I say few years, I mean few years, maybe three, three-ish years. What's fascinating about this team is you know exactly what this team is. And what I mean by that, I know that doesn't sound as (laughs) – I know I kind of – I know I kind of teased that and and the the outcome wasn't the, the greatest, but you know exactly what this team is. And when we talk about, for instance – when we talk about other teams in the NFL, some teams have a lot of question marks. When we talk about the commanders, you don't know how they're going to be. You don't know how Sam Howell's going to be. You don't know if the offensive line is going to hold out, what this wide receiver core is going to look like. You just don't know until you honestly see it. On the same thing with the Jets a little bit. You think we think we know. We think it's going to be great. But we don't know what the Jets are going to look like because – I mean, again, we you have an older roster. I mean, an older quarterback. You just don't know. With this, with this Cincinnati Bengals team, you know exactly what you have. You have a top tier quarterback in in Joe Burrow. You have arguably the best running back, or or not running back. I'm sorry, the best receiving or skill set core, or best receiving core in football. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. Uh, T. Higgins. You also have Joe Mixon coming at the backfield with the at the running back position. 
you know what you're getting from this roster. You also know that the offensive line has been a huge problem for this team. You also know that the defense, while the front or the the, the defensive front, the de- the 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 linebackers, the DBs, that they're good, but the secondary is not the best, especially when we talk about the safety position. We know exactly what this Cincinnati Bengals team is. We also know the ceiling of this Cincinnati Bengals team is obviously the Super Bowl. What, just two years ago, they made it to the Super Bowl. Uh, the, the next year, they made it to the AFC Championship. I'm not saying that this team is going to, to win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that this team is just Super Bowl favorites, at least in this division. But what I will say is, I think it's there's there's danger, but not in a like a, a good danger for you going into a, a game and or let me say this. It makes you very dangerous when you know when a team knows exactly what you are, but has no way of stopping you. This offense is prolific when we talk about the Cincinnati Bengals office. It is prolific. And. The thing that this offense does, in my opinion, better than, say, the Bills is they are able to, when I say they, of course, I'm talking about the Cincinnati Bengals, they're able to equally distribute running running plays to to passing plays. Now, yes, they do pass more than they run, obviously, but... It doesn't feel like the Bills. Like when we watch the Bills, it just feels like they're overly reliant on Josh Allen, especially when they have Stephon Diggs and they have Gabe Davis and their running back position is kind of a question mark, but it's more of a question mark because they don't use it as much. We don't know if they're good. We don't know if it's bad, but we do know that there's not going to be used as much. So, it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel that way for the Cincinnati Bengals and it could feel that way because again you have arguably the best wide receiver core in football. They have three individuals that can be ones anywhere and they have one individual in Jamar Chase that you can argue is a top 5 arguably top 3 wide receiver in football. So, I understand when you when you look at that and you see that and you see how great Joe Burrow is. To me, Joe Burrow is arguably the second best quarterback in, in football. It's very easy to fall into that, okay, Joe Burrow's gonna save us, or okay, we can just we can just pass, 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 pass. Cause it's like, who's gonna stop us? And we we've seen that work for this team. I mean, we've seen Joe Burrow at his best. We've seen, we've seen greatness. So, so I do commend um, the Cincinnati Bengals and this offense for not feeling too reliant on Joe Burrow. And that's also that's also a testament to how good Joe Mixon is. I'm not saying I'm not I don't think that anybody would put Joe Mixon in that class as, you know, one of the best 
running running backs in football. But I do think that he's one of the most important. And he makes this offense damn near unstoppable. And I know it's crazy to say when, when, like I said, I've just been bigging up this wide receiver core and I've been bigging up Joe Burrow, and rightfully so. While I think that they're more important to this offense, obviously, I think that the having Joe Mixon and having him or having the ability to hand the ball off to him, having the ability to pass to him so he can become pretty much another receiver, it it it, it just does wonders for this team. However. <laughs> There's always a however in football. There's never a sure thing. And, I, and I, I, I think it's not just football, it's sports, man. There's never really a sure thing. There's always a however. And that however is usually the thing that could derail something. It could derail a team. It could derail, you know, you never know. But at, that's the beauty of sports. There's always a However. You, now, of course, if it's your team, you never want there to be a however, or you never want that however to be realized. But there's always a however. So for this Cincinnati Bengals team, we know what their downfall is. We know what their demise could be. And that, of course, is what it's been for the last few years. It's been their offensive line. It's been their, their, their secondary. We talk a lot about the importance of keeping your quarterback safe and keeping your quarterback as touch or as clean, what they say in in football, as possible. One of the biggest one of the biggest reasons why Tom Brady was as successful as he was is because. Year after year after year, he was one of the least touched quarterbacks. That's one thing that goes hella under the radar when we talk about the success and the the dynasty, the dominance of of the Patriots. We always talk about Tom Brady. We always talk about Bill Belichick. We always talk about the defense and how they've had people like Teddy Bruschi and and just the Vince Wilford, like they've had Hall of Fame players on the defensive side of the ball. And of course, that's always talked about. But one thing that's never really talked about, because obviously it's not the most glamorous position. But one thing that's very seldomly talked about when we talk about the, the, the Patriots dynasty is their focus on the offensive line. Because when you have something, you need to be able. When you have something great like that, it is, it is, it's almost malpractice not to take it as far as, as, as it can go. And you understand, if you want to preserve something great, you have to do what it takes to preserve it. You have to do what it takes to to allow it to live in its in its prime state. And when you have a a team as great as the Patriots, you know that the one thing that can hurt us at this point 
is an injury to Tom Brady. In fact, the years that the Patriots did not succeed outside of, of course, the years that Tom Brady was was older or, or something was because he was injured or suspended. But I think they won that year. This Cincinnati Bengals team, they have to understand, and I know it's tough. I know it's tough. We talked about the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs last episode, and I talked about the roster and how the roster is not really that good. However, when you have a player as good as Patrick Mahomes, he has been able to keep this roster a Super Bowl, obviously, caliber roster just because of how great he is. And, yes, Andy Reid is important and, and Travis Kelsey is important, but I understand when you have someone on that level and you have to make them a priority. That's why we talked – again, we talked about it last episode. That's why when you see teams and – a lot of the teams that their quarterback makes the most money or or their quarterback is one of the highest paid players in the NFL, those teams haven't really seen success because it's very hard to then build around that player because most of the money is going to that player. So I understand, you know, you prioritizing uh, Joe Burrow and you prioritizing a uh, Jamar Chase seeing as though now yes i understand they haven't got their new contracts yet but seeing as though that joe burrow has seen his most success with or alongside jamar chase but i it it kind of like the 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 titans year after year the titans have the same it seems like they're in that <laughs> they're in the same wheel like they're in they're like a hamster just doing the same thing trying to get to a destination but you're not moving that's the same thing i see with this cincinnati bengal's offensive line now yes i know last year their two two of their offensive linemen was out and that could have we saw how the afc championship ended with the, of course the uh defensive foul that defensive penalty that often that uh, that gave the Cincinnati Bengals or no gave the Kansas City Chiefs 15 more yards they hit the game winning field goal by the bang by the boom so we saw that and we saw how how good the offensive line was until it wasn't and honestly the two times that we've seen the Cincinnati Bengals lose at their biggest moments, which of course is the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship the year after, their offensive line was a huge reason why. When we talk about the Super Bowl, Von Miller and Aaron Donald went crazy on Jamar or on Joe Burrow, especially the second half. When we talk about the AFC Championship last year. It was Chris Jones that had a monumental game, especially the second half of that game. If you don't have all your ducks aligned, it doesn't matter how beautiful your team can look. It doesn't matter how epic your team can be. If your offensive line is not up to par, you always have a weakness. It's like 
the Death Star. The Death Star is if for all my <laughs> all my uh, Star Wars fans. To me, the Cincinnati Bengals is like the Death Star. It is such a a monumental. It's a juggernaut. It it is a a this team is a weapon of mass destruction. This team can can look unstoppable at times. There's been multiple games where I've seen this team play horribly the first half and the next half look like gangbusters. That this team is the Death Star. However, the Death Star ultimately had one one weakness and that weakness ultimately ruined them. And these last 2 years that weakness has ruined the Cincinnati Bengals. And that of course is their offensive line and their safeties. So again, I don't I, I with this team it I can't it's all right. So one of the biggest again reasons why I said that the AFC North is one of the or to me is the best division in football is cuz you <laughs> To me, I bold success in the division by how good you can be compared to how bad you can be. If we talked about, to me, the worst division in football, which is what I started with, it was the NFC South. And we talked about the best and we talked about the worst. And what I mean by that is... When we talk about the NFC South, there's obviously one team that is good enough to win the division and is going to win the division, is ultimately going to get a playoff berth. But outside of that team, I don't think any of those teams outside of possibly the, the, the Saints are good enough to compete for a playoff spot. Maybe a wild card, but I don't know. I think that you know maybe the the maybe the panthers are good enough to compete for a wild card but i don't think that they will be in the thick of the playoff race i could be obviously wrong these are my predictions but i just think the seat, the floor is so low for this for that division when we go back to the AFC South and we're talking about this Cincinnati Bengals team, it's hard for me, unless there's a major injury, it's hard for me to not see this team. And honestly, it's hard for me to not see any of these teams outside of maybe one, but we'll talk about it. It's hard for me to not see any of these teams at least compete for a playoff position. I know one of them obviously is going to win the division, but it's 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 challenging for me to see any one of these teams not make the playoffs. One team has ultimately changed my mind. And again, we'll talk about them a little later, but yeah. The, the, the biggest reason why I think the NFC or AFC North is the best division because the floor 
forget the ceiling. The floor is high. Like I it, it's it's this team this this division is going to be a gauntlet. It's going to be cutthroat and they're going to me the biggest hindrance to this division is the other teams in the division. I think that well no, I don't think that the Cincinnati Bengals has the best roster in this division. I do, however, think that it has the best player in Joe Burrow. It has the best wide receiver or wide receiver core. Um, and it also has the experience of the last two years. This team, this quarterback, this wide receiver core knows how it is to be in a Super Bowl, and they understand what it takes to get there. So, I don't. I would be shocked if this team has a major regression. But if they do, and there goes the however, if they do have a major regression, it is because they're all, the, the 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 issues and problems that have affected them will continue and are going to rear its ugly head, and that, of course, is their offensive line. And their safeties. Now, again, you can kind of chalk up. You may possibly be able to chalk up last year because, again, two of their offensive linemen were out. And even with that, it pretty much came to a boneheaded uh, roughing the passer last second play that the Cincinnati Bengals committed on on Patrick Mahomes and ultimately won in the game. And if it wasn't for that, probably would have went to overtime and you never know. But it, you can't you you anyone that watched the game honestly saw that the the Chris Jones had a field day, especially in the second half. This good enough this team is good enough, obviously, to win a Super Bowl. It's just is the quarterback, is this offense, is the 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 skilled positions. Are they good enough and can hold off long enough to or hold up, let me say, long enough to overcome their shortcomings? We'll see. I talked about question marks and I talked about how we talked about Washington and how there's nothing but question marks uh, for the Washington Commanders. The same can be said for the Baltimore Ravens, but the question marks that the Ravens have are... I don't know how to explain. I don't know how to say. I guess more positive question marks. Like we're questioning uh, how good Sam Howell is and if he can be a franchise quarterback. We're questioning um, can is the secondary good for Washington good enough to to match or even come close to matching the production that they that they usually get from their their defensive front. Like those are those are actual question marks. The Ravens question marks are 
if these hit, this team can be a Super Bowl champion. That's that's the that's the like this team is one of the biggest one of the biggest storylines and one of the biggest uh, talking points that has been attached to this Ravens team for the longest has been will they get Lamar Jackson some help? We know with Greg Roman. Who was who was their offensive coordinator? We know that you know he specializes, and he was able to unlock the best as far as the running game, and and he was able to unlock the best out of Lamar Jackson. He was able to we've to me, we've never seen a player as good as Lamar Jackson when we talk about the the ability to use his legs and the running ability and the elusiveness as well as the pass. I know when we talk about mobile quarterbacks, the the face of the mobile quarterback right now is, is usually Mike Vick and Cam Newton. But I just think Lamar Jackson is probably the best mobile quarterback we've ever seen. I understand that maybe, you know, there's a lack of winning, but I can argue there's never been a mobile quarterback that has really won anything yet. But that has been the question, and that has been the concern, the critique around this Ravens team. Because for the longest, Lamar, the, 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 the most consistent piece to this Ravens team and the most consistent weapon that Lamar Jackson has and had was Mark Andrews. And don't get me wrong, Mark Andrews is considered one of the best tight ends in football. But when you talk about the play style and we talk about, you know, the 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 strengths and weaknesses of Mark Andrews, it's kind of hard to bank your hit bank your future on a Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson duo solely. Because a lot of people want to compare Mark Andrews and Lamar Jackson to Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. And I think that is incredibly uh, um, off off base. Because Lamar Jackson, as great as he is, he is not Patrick Mahomes. And as great as Mark Andrews is, he is not Travis Kelsey. And on top of that, you've also, while no, especially last year, they the Kansas City Chiefs was able to get away with not having that good of an offensive line or not offensive line, uh, wide receiver core. But they did have Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill is considered one of the best wide receivers in football. Now, yes, they didn't have him last year, but, you know, you saw Patrick Mahomes. The question marks that this team has is also new. The Ravens, <laughs> the Ravens, we know the Ravens as a smash mouth, um, run, run the football, you know, rugged, mean team that come hell and high water, they're going to trust the run game. When you have 
John Harbaugh, when you had this coaching staff, when you have such a focus on the run game, that is what has been successful for them. But that has also been their hindrance. That's also what has held them back. Their success has also tied to their lack of success. Let me explain. When something works, for a lot for a lot of people, when something works, it's very hard to it's very hard to make tweaks and change things that ha- that that are working. The saying is, if it's not work, or if it's not broke, don't fix it. The problem is, what the Ravens have been successful in, and what the Ravens have have backed in, and what the Ravens have, you know, uh, what's been the Ravens' calling card, has also, in the same breath, proven. To not bold well as far as championship caliber teams. I can't remember the last time a team that was run f- or that was run first won a Super Bowl. I know people are going to say, "What about the Eagles last year? They didn't win." And they had Devontae Smith and they had A.J. Brown at their wide receivers. They had Dallas Goddard. You see, I'm not taking away from how good this team is and how good this team can be. But I think that it was vitally important to get off of Greg Roman and bring in a new offensive coordinator and Todd Munkin because while yes this team is good and this team is always one of those teams that are Super Bowl contention the the their success and their commitment to lean so heavily on the run game has also come back to bite them every single year I mean, we saw it the first year that Lamar, you know, or the first year against the Tennessee Titans, the first full year that Lamar Jackson was a starter. Tennessee Titans. There's a reason why when we talk about the 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 when we talk about the the, the Milwaukee Bucks, the phrase they're not a comeback team what does that mean that means that their play style is built is more built on being up 10 or being up 15 because they're not a team that is built or equipped their offense isn't a team that's able to really come back they can obviously we've seen the the Milwaukee Bucks come back from a, a deficit but their offense is not the type of offense that's predicated on coming back when you're a run first team, you especially in today's NFL, you're not built to come back. That's why when you have a the Ravens are one of those teams that if they're down, they're down. They're it's over with. Now, yes, I'm not saying yes, I've seen huge comebacks. I was at the game where Lamar Jackson, the Ravens, came back against the Colts. 
But it's also, you know, it's tough coming back, especially with this run-first offense. And we know the height and the, 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 the ceiling that Greg Roman and a Greg Roman offense has. Obviously, that's the – I mean, we saw what happened when he was with Cam Newton and the, the Panthers. But we also know that the what the floor is. And too many times the ceiling is closer to the floor with Greg Roman's offense because it doesn't really uh, evolve. So I think that it's imp- it was important to to get off of Greg Roman and bring in Todd Monkey. Now Monkey, now we'll see. I mean, he has nine years in the league. Now we'll see just how good of a coordinator he can be with this type of offense. Let's talk about the new additions. Like I said, this team has been heavy on run first. And, you know, it, it's understandable why J.K. Dobbins is still on this team and and why they have made such a year after year after year the Ravens have one of the best offensive lines in football when healthy. But I said that there's a bunch of positive question marks about this team because this is the first year to me in the Ravens or in the Lamar Jackson era Ravens that they focused heavily and that they have a, at least on paper, a competent and a, exciting wide receiver core. I'm not going to compare the this wide receiver core to the Cincinnati Bengals cuz we we you know we know what that Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver core but this wide receiver core for the for the Ravens is exciting. You bring on Nelson Aguilar. Now no <laughs> I don't think that that's the crescendo of this pit of, of or I don't think that's the the raving name that should be attached to this wide receiver core. But we do know that with all the shortcomings and all the drops that Nelson Aguilar has had, he's also been in big moments. You have Rashad Bateman, who I think is going to have a huge year, especially. I mean, we saw flashes of last year that he could be a number one receiver. Um, and now, you know, fully healthy. I think he's gonna he's gonna be huge for this offense. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Devin DeVernay, and you have Zay Flowers. And Zay Flowers, of course, is the rookie out of Boston College. I think that that was probably the one of the best draft picks in the in the entire draft this year. I think Zay Flowers his speed and his route running ability and just even though he is not that tall being able to be sort of like a Tyreek Hill type player for this team is going to run to be to do it's going to be huge for this offense especially moving forward But let me let me stop at Odell Beckham Jr. for a second. I was I'm not gonna say critical. 
but I'm being a real I'm 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 realistic about Odell Beckham Jr. I think when healthy and at his peak the 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 key word there is peak at his peak it was hard pressed to find a better wide receiver than Odell Beckham Jr. And it's it was hard pressed to not see success. Odell Beckham Jr. was succeeding with an uh, with Eli Manning and and the end of career Eli Manning like couldn't throw pretty much past forty yards. Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. was succeeding, thriving. Now, no, they we they didn't really win much as, uh, in the grand scheme of things. But Odell Beckham Jr. There was no question that he was a top tier wide receiver. This is also the same Odell Beckham Jr. that's coming off of two back-to-back major injuries. And when we first heard the name Odell Beckham Jr. on this Ravens team, I understand the glee. I understand the emotion. I understand the, the excitement. Because what we like to do is we like to put we like to, when a player goes to a good team, we like to put our sunglasses on and, and those sunglasses are able to see that player for who they were at their best and who Odell Beckham Jr. was at his best. And of course, we're going to say, yo, I it's hard for me to see a team better than this team because they got Odell Beckham Jr., Right, because we're people put on those sunglasses when they heard Odell Beckham Jr. to the Ravens, and they're seeing 2015 Odell Beckham Jr. They're seeing the 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 catch Odell Beckham Jr. They're seeing, you know, greatness. And those sunglasses also allow you to block out. Okay, well, this is the same Odell Beckham Jr. that got hurt in. Cleveland. This is the same Odell Beckham Jr. that got hurt in the Super Bowl of the, the when he was with the Rams. This is the same Odell Beckham Jr. that did not play last year because he was, of course, rehabbing. I'm not here saying that Odell Beckham Jr. is done. I'm not here saying that Odell Beckham Jr. is damaged goods. I'm not saying that Odell Beckham Jr. won't be great for this team I'm hoping that he's going to be great for this team I want to see everyone succeed and I want to see everyone maximize their potential but what I will what I am saying is while yes I know how great Odell Beckham Jr. is and was I also know that there's a reason why Odell Beckham Jr. didn't play last year and Odell Beckham Jr. is starting to to be one of those injury-prone wide receivers. I'm not saying, and I'm hoping, that he does not get hurt this year. 
I'm praying that no one gets hurt. That I don't want to see anyone get hurt. I don't care if they're on the Cowboys. And I'm only saying that because, of course, I'm a Washington fan. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. Now, obviously, that's not realistic. People are going to get hurt. This is the game of football. But I don't want – I want Odell Beckham – I'll say this. If we're being realistic about Odell Beckham Jr., I, I, 2015 was almost 10 years ago. Odell Beckham Jr. has been in the league for nine years. I don't think that we're getting, or Odell Beckham Jr. has been in the league for what, nine seasons? Yeah. I obviously don't think we're getting the catch Odell Beckham Jr., but if we get the, the the best of this Odell Beckham Jr., this team, at least this offense, can be a Super Bowl caliber offense. Will be a Super Bowl caliber offense. Especially when you have Kyle Hamilton at the at the safety position. Especially when you have, you know, uh Uh, oh, Odaf Owen. I know I messed your name up, bro. I apologize. Especially when when you have Patrick Queen, who can be, and you have Roquan Smith, one of the better or best defensive players in the league. Um, and when you have Marlon Humphreys, that's who I was trying to remember. Apologize, bro. You have Ronald Darby. This this defense is going to be good. Now, of course, there are question marks with the safeties and everything. And is Kyle Hamilton going to be, you know, that he he showing flashes last year? But if Odell Beckham Jr. can be anywhere close to what we're used to when he's in when he's a hundred percent, he will be the best. Imagine that. Imagine how good we've seen Zay Flowers, and Rashad Bateman, and now Odell Beckham Jr. That is a prolific wide receiver core. And, of course, the last thing we have to talk about before we move on from the Ravens is, of course, the big man, the the big name, and that is Lamar Jackson. Sort of the same thing that can be said or that we said about Rita Beckham Jr. can kind of be said about Lamar Jackson. When we talk about the injury history, Lamar Jackson hasn't finished the last two seasons. Now, yes, mind you, when Lamar Jackson was and is on the field, the Ravens are one of the best teams, not just in the AFC, but in the NFL. And Lamar Jackson is an MVP winner. Lamar Jackson is to me one of the more most prolific quarterbacks we've ever seen. We know Lamar Jackson. And I think that this is this is one of the most important years in Lamar Jackson's career. I know I said that, you know, this is the most important year for uh Russell Wilson. I think that this is the most this is one of the most important years for Lamar Jackson. 
I think that all the excuses that we've given Lamar Jackson, and rightfully so, I'm not going to call them excuses, but reasons why they haven't succeeded are gone. They have one of the best offensive lines. The, the, the talk has always been if Lamar Jackson had a, a competent wide receiver core, they would be good. I understand that people are saying, you know, they spent a first round or second round pick. I don't remember exactly where he went, but I know it was a high pick to get Hollywood Brown. Obviously, it didn't work out. And obviously, it's not working out in Arizona either. So, I, I, for the people, you know, it, it's, the talk has always been, yo, if Lamar Jackson had a competent wide receiver core, this team would be crazy. Well, he has that. Now he has his money. It's on Lamar Jackson to stay healthy. And I'm not saying this team has to win a Super Bowl, but it has to look like a Super Bowl caliber team. And I think Lamar Jackson has to finish the season. Because if not, a lot of those, the talks that we've heard is, is going to come roaring back about why this team isn't as good. And a lot of the blame for Lamar Jackson's shortcomings are actually going to be on Lamar Jackson. There's still a a huge group of people that think Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. Or that think Lamar Jackson is not, like his weakness is throwing the ball. Now that you have Oda Beckham Jr. and hopefully he's able to stay completely healthy. You have Rashad Bateman, he's able to stay healthy. You have you know, say, say Flowers and you have Mark Andrews. It's the excuses are done or the excuses that we've heard are done. I know one of I think two years ago, the Ravens had the most injuries I've ever seen in, in sports history in one season. I think damn near their entire team was hurt. So you can understand, you know, injury history, but this team. And, and Lamar Jackson, the excuses are gone. Excuse has been, you know, Lamar Jackson doesn't have wide receiver core. Well, he has that. It's Greg Roman. He's holding him back. He's gone. They don't really have that good of a defense. Or they have a good defense, but, you know, they don't have they, they don't have an alpha on the defense ever since Ray Lewis was gone. You have Roquan Smith. You have Marlon Humphreys. The offensive line can't hold it. The, the offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in football. It's on Lamar Jackson. Because like I said about the Cincinnati Bengals, is the last thing I'm going to say about this. This team is good enough to win a Super Bowl, in my opinion. And while, yes, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of new parts on this car, if those parts hit the way that they're supposed to hit, this team I can see going as far as winning the Super Bowl. But, there goes the but. I can also see this team losing in the first round of the playoffs. We'll see. Let's talk about the Cleveland Browns. 
The Cleveland Browns is a hard team to explain. They're a hard team to explain because, in fact, no, it's not. <laughs> the Cleveland Browns is the pure definition and the pure example. is a, is a is one of the best examples of football is not played on paper. You're probably thinking, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> There's a reason why when people talk about rosters and when people talk about, oh, this this roster is the best roster on paper. Almost almost yearly, for the last maybe three, four years, you can argue that this Cleveland Browns team has had a top-tier roster. I mean, they had, you have Miles Garrett, who is arguably one of the best defensive players in football. You have Nick Chubb, arguably one of the best, if not the best, running back in football. You have Deshaun Watson, who we know what Deshaun Watson looked like in Houston. We'll talk about that in a second. But you have Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in football. Or at his height, one of the best quarterbacks in football. This team has been good. They had uh, Odell Beckham Jr. They had, um, oh, what's his name, bro? Why am I slip? In fact, why am I blanking on his name right now? Uh, 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 Jadavion Clowney, who is now with the Ravens. Sorry, I, I blanked on your name, brother. I have David Njoku, who is one of the better tight ends in the league. Amari Cooper, one of the better running or wide receivers in the league. Elijah Moore, they got from the Jets. This team is good. Cedric Tillman, who's a rookie, Tennessee. I think he's going to dive in Peoples-Jones, who's a wide receiver slash uh, kickoff specialist. This team is good. Jarek Willis, who hasn't really been able to stay healthy, but is one of the better tackles in football. This team is the pure definition of football is not played on paper. I know that's a that's an over, oversimplification of what's going on with this team, but that's that's it's true. Because as this team has had one of the better rosters in football, this team has come nowhere close to resembling the team that this roster warrants. I know that it did go to the second round of the playoffs what uh, a couple years ago with Baker Mayfield. But they were playing up against a, a pretty washed Big Ben. You see what happens when they played Patrick Mahomes the next game. And Patrick Mahomes got hurt that game, and they still lost cause when Chad Henney was their quarterback. Or Chad Henney became the quarter or was the quarterback for, for the Chiefs. To me, man, this they have Sandarius Smith. I forgot about that. Denzel Ward is one of the best cornerbacks in football. Greg Newsom, who's actually one of the better cornerback duos in football. Like, 
I don't know. Let's. <clears throat> this team has, to, in my opinion, underachieved year after year after year. And you can kind of give last year a pass, and we'll talk about that in a second. But there's no reason why a team that has Nick Chubb and Miles Garrett and and Greg Newsom the third or second um, and Denzel Ward should not or should finish as disappointing as they finished the last few years. There should be no reason for that. And now you have Zendarius Smith. So that should be. And you had Amari Cooper last year. And David Njaku. So it's, that kind of brings me to Deshaun Watson. I'm not talking about anything that has gone on off the field. That is, it's been discussed at nauseum. Um, I don't really want to get into that. We know what ha- what he's been accused of and, and everything. And whether you agree that he should be on the team or not, that's your opinion. Your opinion matters. Just I don't need I don't feel I need to give mine about that again because I've given it on several occasions. So I'm solely talking about the football player Deshaun Watson. The same way I talked about, or the same tone that I talked about, Oda Beckham Jr. is the same that you you can kind of we we. How do I say this, man? The way that we look at Oda Beckham Jr. with the with the glasses I was talking about is the same way that we've looked that we looked at Deshaun Watson last year. You heard Deshaun Watson was coming to the Cleveland Browns, and a lot of people automatically thought, oh, this team should be a Super Bowl contender because this roster is one of the better, best rosters in football on paper. And now you're adding a prolific. I've been saying prolific a lot <laughs> this this episode. <laughs> but now you're adding a prolific quarterback in Deshaun Watson. It has to breed nothing but positivity. And the reason why that conversation was had is because, of course, we were looking and we had those 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 sunglasses on, those the, that visor, and we were looking at the last time we saw Deshaun Watson and we were looking at how successful Deshaun Watson was as far as individually, how successful he was when he was the co- quarterback of the Houston Texans. But that 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 blind uh, blinder those those sunglasses completely had us absolve the fact that he was out for almost two years due to injury and of course everything that went on at the end of Houston as far as holding out and everything and refusing to come to play and then of course the injury rehab like. He missed damn near two years, I believe, if not more. 
And to come right back and think that 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 player is going to lead a team to exponential heights is crazy. But the only reason why we would think that is because of those 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 sunglasses and where we're looking at Deshaun Watson the last time we seen him play. Not putting a date to when the last time we seen him play. And last year he was bad. I'll just keep it real with you. He was not good at all. He was one of the main reasons why this team did not resemble any type of Super Bowl caliber team last year. He was a main reason. So I think it's on it's, it's right to say, and it's and it's you're speaking honest honestly when you're saying that this is a big year for Deshaun Watson too. There's a reason why the 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 Cleveland Browns gave him the deal that they gave him. One of actually, I think that he's still on as far as total contract. I think he's still the richest has the richest contract in NFL history, or at least richest fully guaranteed contract. You have to justify that. Now, if you would have got the Deshaun Watson, or if we're if if last year was just a, you know, shake the dust off, shake the rust off year, and this year you're getting the the, the Deshaun Watson that we saw in Houston a couple years ago, then I then I get it. And if we do get that, then for sure that this team is one one of those teams that you can say could be Super Bowl contenders. Especially when we talk about the totality of the roster. I just I just said the names. However, if he does not, if, if he looks more like he did last year, then people are really going to question, all right, there's a lot of people that think he doesn't des- didn't deserve the contract that he got. I always say you deserve the contract that you got because you negotiated it. But... Those those doubters, the, the people that already are against Deshaun Jackson or Deshaun Watson, I'm, I apologize, are are has a mountain of fuel if he looks anything like he did last year. And if he looks anything like he did last year, this team, in my opinion, will be the worst team in the division. I know. Shocking to say, but we'll talk about the Steelers in a second. Again, I've said this for every team now. The biggest reason why I think that the AFC North is the best uh, best division in football is because, to me, every team has a very high floor and potentially has a very high ceiling. I don't really see a low floor except for maybe this team. This team, I can see, have one of the lowest floors in football, but or not football, ooh, I'm sorry, in, in the division, but it's it all predicated on how Deshaun Watson looks. We'll see. Now, I will admit, I've been very vocal on not 
particularly not caring about the 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 preseason. I don't like the, the preseason. I don't like taking a lot out of the preseason because a lot of teams don't play their starters at all in the preseason. So how am I going to know what this Ravens team is going to look like if the starters didn't play? I know uh, a couple years ago, or the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, the starters didn't play in the in the preseason at all, and they won the Super Bowl. There are teams that go 3-0 and in the, in the preseason and look extremely terrible in the regular season. There's teams that go 0-3 in the preseason and find themselves in the Super Bowl. That's just, I just don't take a lot from the preseason. I just don't. I understand the the use of it. I understand, you know, it's a tune-up for a lot of players. I understand that, you know, stars may play a game or two or a down or two. I get it. I also understand that it's really to cut down that 53-man roster, which, by the way, I do want to add that yesterday was a tough day. And football, of course, we know about cut day. Cut day is um, NFL rosters have to cut their roster down to 53 men. And there is a lot. I think that over a thousand players get cut. And while, yes, some of those players, I think maybe four or five hundred of those players may find themselves on a practice squad. May is the is the key word. For a lot of other players, they don't get another shot. They have to refocus their life and 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 pivot. And it sucks, man. I it's it sucks. I understand that a lot of people have been you can honestly say you've made it to the league since you got drafted or you're on you put a I've never put a league jersey on. So I've never made I don't care if it's if you're on the practice squad, you're in the NFL, you're in the NBA, you're you're in the whatever league that you are in. But for a lot of people, you know, their dream is to make the you know make the league and and provide for their family a lot of people are unable are unable to do that after cut day a lot of these people a lot of the people that get cut have to figure things out so i get it so it's tough man i I wish nothing but respect congratulations to the people that you know made the rosters congratulations to the people that uh, made the practice squad and congratulations to the people that even even though you did get cut, you still can say that you were on an NFL roster. And most of those people played in an NFL or played in an NFL preseason game, which to me is still a game, even though I know I just said I don't take a lot out of it. It's still a preseason game. So I know it's tough. It's it's the tough. It's one of the toughest days in sports. Um, and I hope that a lot of pe- the, the people that did get cut, uh, they're able to bounce back and they're able to find success in whatever lane that God puts them in. So, but back to the preseason. Like I said, I don't, I don't take a lot out of the preseason. However, this preseason has opened my eyes wide to the Pittsburgh Steelers team. I don't care that, and it's not important that they win three and zero. What's important? What was important to me is how Kenny Pickett looked, and he played a lot of the preseason. 
how this team, this defense looked without their starters and just how this team in general looked. And I was ple- I was pleasantly surprised. To me, this is this team is the reason why I think I, this this team, the Steelers, is the reason why I pit, put the AFC North as the best team in the division or best division in football. I thought that it was to me between the Steelers and the Patriots as far as who was going to propel for me, who was going to propel their team to, to, to the height where they can hoist the best division in football. And it was the, the, the way that this team, how good this team looked and honestly, how good Kenny Pickett looked in the preseason. Again, I don't take a lot of the preseason, but what I do take a lot of is this team, the Steelers were probably the best team in the preseason. And this is without most of their starters not playing. Now, I'm not going to lie. I have been very critical of Kenny Pickett. Now, I'm not going to say critical. I haven't really been critical, but I have been uh, hesitant to praise when we talk about Kenny Pickett. Because Kenny Pickett has, what's unfortunate for him is he is in arguably the best division when we talk about quarterbacks. When you have Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, and now Deshaun Watson, it's hard for you to stand out. And I'm also and one one curse about being on the Steelers is you're automatically going to be compared to the former. And the former, even you can feel how you feel about Ben Big Ben and especially what he looked like towards the end. But Big Ben was Big Ben. And Big Ben led this team to what, two Super Bowls? Or won this team two Super Bowls. So you're always going to be compared to the the former. But I saw a lot out of Kenny Pickett. And what I saw out of Kenny Pickett makes me feel like this team has a shot of being one of the most slept on teams in football. Now, mind you, Cameron Hayward, who's one of the best defensive tackles, he barely played if I don't even know if he did play in the preseason. Of course, you have Quan Alexander. You have uh, T.J. Watt, who is probably the best linebacker in football. <laughs> like this, this team is good. This team is You have Najee Harris who's one of the best running backs in the league. Minka, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, who's one of the best safeties in the league. Keno Neal, pretty good safety. Pat Faramuth, one of the better tight ends in the league. And then you get to the wide receiver court. Deontay Johnson. Kenny uh, George Pickens, who is one of the most... One of the most uh, 
I think he's 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 a rising star in the wide receiver core. I think by the end of this season, or even next season, he is a household name as far as wide receivers. We know about the incredible catch that he had last year. I think that the the only thing that we need is the winning part. Now, of course, he's not the he can't really do much about that, but you know. And they have Allen Robinson the second. Now, I we know how bad he was for the Rams. Maybe he'll be better for this Pittsburgh team. I don't know. But I do know this. Going into this season, I never thought a team that was led by Kenny Pickett, even though you have Mike Tomlin as a coach, I never thought a team being led by Kenny Pickett was going to be a team that was good enough to contend for anything. I know Kenny Pickett had his moments, but those moments to me came too far or came too far in between. But he looked great during the preseason. This team looked great during the preseason. And a team that is led by Mike Tomlin, I'm not saying is a Super Bowl caliber team, but this team is good enough to make some noise in the playoffs. At least what I saw in the preseason. Now they can go and just be terrible, but I don't I don't see it. Especially when a lot of the the players that they played were not starters and they looked that good. So I can just imagine those players now being put in with starters. It's going to be great. Again, I think that this is the best division in football. And if I'm making this division right now, I have to put I have to put the Bengals since they have the most known commodities and most known like we know the Bengals. Um then the Ravens. Honestly, I'll put the Steelers and until I see something different, I'll put the Browns. And I think that's crazy that a Deshaun, a Deshaun Watson-led team is arguably the worst team in this division. Now, that's not saying that they're one of the worst teams in AFC. It's just that this division is that good that, you know, we'll see. Also, college football is back. And I'm not going to stay on this too long. Uh, I know week zero happened last week, and – it was what Navy going up against uh, Notre Dame, and Notre Dame destroyed them. And I know USC played, I think, San Diego State, and they destroyed them. Um, I think that this is going to be a very interesting year for college football. Uh, of course, we know about the Pac-12 news, and we know what's going on and what's imminent with them. We know about the realignment. And... I think that the competition level, at the top at least, is closer than it's ever been. Meaning, I think that when you look at the top teams or teams that we think are going to be top teams like Georgia, uh, Michigan, Alabama, USC, uh, possibly Clemson, I don't see much drop off from any of those teams. I wouldn't be shocked if you lug up in any of those teams were playing and competing for a, a, a championship. 
I think that the to me, if we talk about Heisman individual trophies, it's Caleb Williams' trophy to lose this year. Maybe uh, I forgot. Uh, was it Michael Penix, Penay, uh, home the quarterback from Washington? Maybe him. Uh, I think it's Terrell Savage. I think um, the player from Colorado, maybe. But I think that this year's Heisman is Caleb Williams to lose. I don't. I think the, the things that have held USC back are gonna. They, Lincoln Riley is one of the best coaches in college football. However, every single year and every single team that he's on loses. I mean, their defense is not good. I mean, we saw Baker Mayfield put up a historic numbers with Lincoln Riley. We saw Kyler Murray, but ultimately, and we saw Caleb Williams. I mean, all three of which have won a Heisman. We've also seen their their teams lose when they go up against a defensive-minded team. They just the defense just can't hold up. But you still have arguably the best player in college football. So, you know, I'll say sitting here today, I'll just give my prediction and then we can move on. I will say Georgia, Michigan, um, Ohio State, and Alabama. Mm. Yeah, I'll say Alabama. No, I don't want to say Alabama. I want to say USC, but I don't think their defense is good enough. I'll say USC are going to be in the Final Four. I think the national championship is going to be Georgia going up against Michigan. And I have Michigan winning the national championship. Obviously, uh, we'll see. That's just my prediction. We'll see. I could be drastically wrong. Um, but we'll, And we'll talk about it throughout the season, of course. But, yeah, my national championship right now is Georgia against Michigan. And I have Michigan winning. And I have John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh. Uh, this is, I think this might be his last season with, with uh, Michigan. I think he's going to go out with a bang. So, we'll see. Um, do I really want to talk about, uh, I will say this cause this is second, um, <laughs> second episode in a row that I'm talking about baseball, second episode in a row that I'm talking about the angels. Um, this is also a day where a lot of players are getting cut or, or getting, getting waived to, you know, for, in, in foot in baseball to save money. And I think that the biggest story that's not really being talked about right now is the Los Angeles Angels. Not because of Shohei Otani, not because of Mike Trout, but because they gave up or they uh, released or waived Lucas uh, Galito, which... Uh, and I know I mess up. I'm gonna mess up your names, people. I apologize. Uh, Matt Moore, Ronaldo, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro. No, not the one from the chart. Not the one from the Raiders. And Randall Grichuk. Grichuk. Um. Now releasing those players saved the team. Uh, what? Five 
or seven million dollars. Now I would like to read you a tweet from uh, at Yankee World. Just a couple or yesterday. The Angels traded away multiple top. Now, again, this is a tweet from Yankee World. The Angels traded away multiple top prospects for rental pieces just to release them to waivers a month later to save seven million dollars. All while fumbling what would have been the greatest return for a rental ever. The Angels had a couple top uh, prospects. And for people that know baseball, prospects are very important to teams. Just like how draft picks are very important to NFL, prospects are extremely important for baseball. And the Angels had some of the top prospects. I think they had like three or four top prospects in baseball that they traded for Lucas Galito, Matt Moore, Ronaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, and Rando uh, Grinchuk. All the which got released. That means that not only did those players not work, it took them a month to realize, yeah, we messed up. One of the worst things that you can see as a sports fan, and it didn't even have to be your team, but one of the hardest things to see is an inept organization that has a star or two. One one perfect example of this is when Vince when uh, not Vince when Kevin Garnett was on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and how year after year after year it pretty much was especially when Stephon Marbury left it pretty much was Kevin Kevin Garnett and nobody and Kevin Garnett was still putting up numbers he was still just incredible. Kevin Garnett will go down as one of the best power forwards in, in basketball. But it was very hard watching him and just watching him give his all and knowing that this team ain't finna win because it's just it just sucks. You want to see players that good in good situations. And for the longest, the Timberwolves have been an inept organization. They're still an inept organization, even with – uh, Rudy Gobert and, and Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns, they're not a good organization. And I don't think I've ever, in my lifetime, they've been one. They've had great players, obviously, but they haven't. They're not a good organization. This is the same thing for the, for the Los Angeles Angels. You have two players that are not just considered great players in today's baseball. You have two players that you can arguably say are all-timers. For the longest, the question was, is Mike Trout the greatest baseball player of all time that hasn't won anything? And while, yes, injuries have played a major part in the lack of success for Mike Trout, when healthy, he's still Mike Trout. 
And now you can say the same for Shohei Otani. Which is why Shohei Otani has come out, or at least people in his camp and reports have come out and say that he does not plan on staying there if this team is not is 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 not putting themselves in the best position to be successful, which they obviously are not because they are inept. Mind you, this team has had Albert Pujols. This team, even though he was well out of his prime, but you had Josh Hamilton. Like this team has been has had great pieces. It have nothing to show for it. It's hard watching Mike Trout and Shohei Otani because I know that as great as they're going to be, this team is never going to amount to anything. And if you don't believe me, you give up multiple top prospects for rentals. And what that pretty much means in, in or rental pieces, what that pretty much means is you understand that these players are not going to or they're, they're not you're, you can't really afford them moving forward. But these players are good enough to turn your season around and, and hopefully get to the playoffs and hopefully get to. Uh, maybe a World Series, or put yourself in the best position to get to the World Series. That's what rentals are pretty much for. If you want a, a a great example of maybe a football rental, look at look at all the moves that the Jets have made. And you don't really know what the Jets are going to look like a year or two from now because of Aaron Rodgers and his age, but you know that they're going all in right now. So you can kind of pretty much say that all the moves that the Jets have made are pretty much rental moves. The Angels did the same exact thing. The problem is they punted on that a month later. So not only do they not have the rentals anymore, they don't have the top prospects. Because they traded them away at the trade deadline. Which is why, again, at Yankee World says this is undoubtedly the single worst trade deadline in MLB history. I'm not it's 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 widely understood that I'm not the biggest baseball MLB fan. But as a sports fan, what it's very hard, it's hard watching uh it's hard watching great players play for organizations that have absolutely no shot of not even being comfortable, not has no shot of winning at all. Which is why it's been hard watching Damian Lillard for the last few years. It's hard watching Kevin Garnett when he was on the Timberwolves. It's hard watching Kevin Love when he was on the Timberwolves. It's hard watching Gilbert Arenas when he was with the Wizards. And I'm a Wizards fan. It's tough. It's tough. And I don't I don't expect Shohei Otani to be there much longer. And I know the petition has already started. I will be one of the people signing for the free, uh, free Mike Trout petition because it's it sucks, man. It's like imagine Mike Trout on the the Orioles, or imagine Mike Trout on the Braves. You know, Mike Trout could have the same effect that. Freddie Freeman has had for or or Mookie Betts has had for the Dodgers. He could have that same effect on any 
on any of the good teams. Like, again, hell, the Texans. Or the the Rangers, I'm sorry. The Rangers. The Rangers might not even make the playoffs now because I think they're 1-9 or 1-10 or their last few games. But well, imagine Mike Trout on the Mariners. That's all I'm saying. Angels suck. <laughs> oh, man. Um... I guess I'll touch on this briefly, and that is the Noah Lyles thing. Um, I don't, yeah. Of course, he came out and said that, uh, you know, when when the NBA says they win the world championship, uh, why are they call it the world championship? Because it's only the championship of the United States. You know, I don't need to speak on this long. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I th- what was ironic about his statement, in my opinion, is you couldn't have picked a worse example. You might be able to say that with the NFL, with hockey, but you cannot say that with the NBA because it is widely known that the best players in the world are in the United States, or not in the United States, are in the NBA. I don't care where you look. There is not a better five than a five that the NBA can construct. Which is why they call it the world championship because there is people on every single championship that is of the world. When we talk about last year's championship, the best player from Serbia, the next best player is from Canada. Then you have Aaron Gordon, United States. Bruce Brown, United States. Hell, you can go Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry, United States. Clay, United States. You also had Zaza Pachulia of the world. You had Bielitsa of the world. I understand that you're not going to Spain or whatever and obviously winning. So I understand where Noah Lyles was coming from. But when you look, the best players from Spain play in the NBA. The best players from overseas, from all around the world, Luka Doncic, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Nikola Jokic, Joel Embiid, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, they are in the NBA. So that's why they call it the world championship because the best players in the world play in that league. So while I understand where he was coming from, I think the irony in his statement is he couldn't have picked a worse league to talk, to, to be wrong about. I'm not even going to say wrong because that's his opinion, but he couldn't have picked the worst league for that example because the very best of the very best play in the NBA, which is why it's called the World Championship because the best players in the world play for that league. That's all I'm saying. That's all I am saying. And there you have it. 
that has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, if you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. You will not regret it. Also, please subscribe to YouTube. Please subscribe to every listening. I am so, so, so close to 1,000 subscribers. I think I'm about 60 or 70 away. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe. It definitely means a lot. Um, and anything helps. And, it, and it, it, hey, I'm trying to see where this train takes me. So I appreciate you. Also, subscribe to the socials. Subscribe to Instagram. Subscribe to TikTok. I post reels. I post stuff daily. I comment. I communicate with you guys. It's all, it's all me. So, you know, definitely don't hesitate uh, to reach out. I'll talk and, and definitely subscribe or follow. Um, and again, I, I truly, truly appreciate you guys. Uh, and until next time, much love.